Jesus. We, we've received the good news and we've got the good news. And how we share the good news, one of the ways is by testimony. Because really, what, what is the news? The news is just a testimony. It's somebody else's testimony. I'm not saying it's not all God, but it's mostly not all God. <laughs> Most of it on there is not the testimony of, of, of Jesus, right? Uh, and so I need to find ways to share the testimony of Jesus and get the testimony of Jesus into my life, whether that's talking to one another. Man, we were here Wednesday night um, in here studying, and, and uh, Dave was leading us in the teaching time, and then we just took time to hear God and have words of knowledge to say, God, you speak to us, and you show us something about someone or something that we need to know about. And it was fascinating because so many people you know, had, had God share something with him, right? And it was, some were not even expecting it. They're like, I've never had that happen before. And, you know, I saw this person uh, at this park, and I saw this person who's going through this, and, you know, and then we get the opportunity to look for them this week. And so uh, all of us had our eyes open to see what was going on. And so that's a that's a good testimony that God is still stirring and working in hearts and he is still reaching out to people and so I encourage you if you have a testimony about what God is doing make sure to share that make sure make sure to broadcast that news uh if you're on social media go ahead and put it on there if you choose to refuse to participate in social media there's nothing wrong with that you're probably closer to heaven than the rest of us um but um <laughs> There's only one way to feel close to hell sometimes is just get on Facebook. Okay. Um, but I mean, however you, however you share information, if you still forward emails, whatever it is, get the testimony of Jesus out there. Let's, let's spread the good news. Let's, let's spread something that God's doing, not just all that's going on right now, we only know there's two things or one or two things going on right now, so there's no reason to watch the news anyway, right? Um, so spread the testimony. You know, that's our news. The way you broadcast news is share the testimony of Jesus. If you don't have a testimony of your own, find somebody else and let them share it with you, and then just share that one. Just say, hey, I had a friend. <laughs> I had a friend who had this happen. Let me tell you about my friend. They're so amazing. Uh, have you, you know, I'll introduce them to you. You can verify this is true. This is not an internet rumor. This is a, a real living, breathing person that told me this, and this is what God did in their life, or this is what God did through their life. So that was free. That's not about First Peter. Kind of is. Um, because First Peter is all about living a life that shares the testimony of Jesus, especially in the middle of hard times and suffering. If you're going through a hard time, one of the best things you can do is share a testimony of something God has done in your life. You're not going to want to do it. You're not going to feel like it. It's going to be like, it's going to feel like you're just resurrecting something from the dead. And maybe you are in some ways. But choose to say, you know what? If I am, if I am feeling like oppressed, guess what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to share the testimony of Jesus. I mean, it's how we do it. That's how you worship too. It's like, okay, I don't feel like worshiping. Then guess what? I'm going to worship. 
I don't feel like obeying Jesus right now. I, I just, I just want to do whatever I want. My daughter is, has this great phrase. If you don't know my daughter, she's five years old. Uh, she's in kindergarten now. She is having a wake-up call about life that you go to school every single day. And she's like, how long is this for the rest of your life? It's forever. It's going to feel like forever. Okay? But she has this phrase where she just says, she'll, she'll say, come on in here and you can do whatever you want to. It's like the dream of a five-year-old, right? You just can do whatever you want when your parents aren't looking. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, you know, when you have that feeling where you're just like, I just want to do whatever I want. <laughs> I'm not going to obey God. Guess what? That's the best time to obey him. That's the best time to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to choose to obey Jesus even when I don't feel like it. When I just want to do whatever I want to. I'm going to willingly say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crucify my flesh. I'm going to put it down and say, no, my spirit... The Holy Spirit, who's joined to my spirit, is in charge of my life. My emotions are not in charge of my life. My wants, my wishes are not in charge of my life. My thoughts are not in charge of my life. The Holy Spirit is in charge of my life, and He dictates. He dictates what's true. He dictates what's good. He dictates what's real. He dictates where, what I sh- where I should go. So let's read the scripture here so I can preach on it. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the word. We're in 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 8. And it says, finally, all of you. So if if you remember, he's been talking about specific different groups of people. And so he just wants to clear it up here. All of you be like minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. And then this is a quotation from Psalm 34. The rest of the verses, 10 through 12. For the one who wants to love life And to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's start in verse 12 because I wasn't planning to go into this too much. So we're just going to start there. Uh, We're just going to go in reverse here. But it says this, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Here's the thing. If you're a believer in Jesus, God's eyes are always on you. You're never in a place where God's like, where'd they go? You know, I don't know if you know this, but we just moved into a new house. Uh, I no longer live on Boyd Avenue right over here. I live... And an undisclosed location. No. <laughs> that a few of my favorite friends know where it's at. No. Okay. Um, 
I live over by Goddard Junior High School now in that neighborhood in Emerson Elementary. So we just moved two days ago, okay? So it's a much bigger house, and there's a lot more places to um, lose a child in, okay? <laughs> Let's just say it that way. Uh, when is VBS over? Because my wife hasn't been in here for a long time, and this is, could get crazy. So this is our first. We stayed there Friday night the first time. So we're sleeping in the new house. Everybody's a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm like, whose bed is this? What, what is this place? I mean, we got some furniture in it. So like the bed was already there and we put our own bedding on it though. So, um, but you know, it's like every, you know, all this is weird, you know, and you're like, whose house are we in right now? Like, is this, you know, we're just like, it feels like you're at, at a weekend away, you know, and you're like, you're staying, I better don't mess this up because this is somebody else's. <laughs> And so the kids take a lot, a, bit, a lot longer to get to bed, you know. It's like they're all hyped up. We're in the new house. And I'm like, pretty soon, guess what you're going to call this? The house. It's not the new house. It's just the house. It's just, you know, where we live, our home. And so I'm help, we do bedtime different ways. So we're putting kids to bed. Ashley and I are both involved in this rigorous process. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully it's successful. And we're, you know, nobody is lost their salvation over it um, or anything. And so I hear Ashley going, I hear Ashley going, Early, where are you? Early, you come out right now. It's like, it's like 10, it's like 9.30. She's supposed to have been asleep for like an hour at least, okay? Who knows? And she comes out and says, I can't find Early. <laughs> I'm like, well... I'm like, Early, you come out right now or I'm going to, you know what? <laughs> all your toys are going to, I'm going to throw them all away, <laughs> right? I mean, we start doing ridiculous threats, right? Whatever, as a parent, okay? I don't know what we're saying. Do you come out right now or so help me? <laughs> Whatever, you know, we're, we're, we're expressing ourselves. We're trying not to yell because some of the, you know, at least one boy is asleep right now. And so, wake him up, okay? I've got one down. I've got two more to go. And so, so we're like, where, where, where is she? And we are looking all over this house. And we're like, first of all, this is what I'm thinking. This is an amazing place to play hide and seek in here. (laughs) I've lost it. First night, we've lost a five-year-old. We're like looking outside. Did she go outside? Is she trying to take care of the dog and take the dog outside in the pitch blackness? And you're just like, and then, you know, she's not coming. She's done this before the church building. I will tell you this. I'm, I, I'm do, saying this as honorably as I can to my own daughter. But there's been time in this church building. We had staff meeting and we, we're looking over this whole property. We're like, we cannot find her anywhere. So she likes to hide. And so finally, I'm like, have you checked the little attic area? She has a, her room has access to this inside carpeted attic area that she thinks is her extra room. And so Ashley's like, yeah, I checked in there. And so I, I said, I'm, we've looked everywhere. I'm like, she's got to be in there. I'm like, Early, you, this is your last chance to come out before you don't ever go to college. <laughs> <laughs> and so I go in that room and I look and I'm, and a hippo in the back corner moves. <laughs> okay, a big stuffed hippo about as big as Errol Lee. I see this hippo move. And I'm like, I found you. Get out right now. And you better get in this bed before your mother kills you or something, you know. 
Here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you want to hide from God. His eyes are on you. You can try to run as far as you want. You can try to get out as far as you can. But he is never confused about where you are. And that's a good thing. Because he's not threatening you to make sure you don't reach college or where you can't have grandkids or whatever your future is. It says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. That no matter where you go, he's there. It doesn't matter what situation you end up in, he's there. You're like, I've never been through this before, God. He's like, I'm there. I'm in the middle of it. Is it grief? I'm there. Is it a battle of, of health? I'm there. Is it, is it confusion with, with your job situation? I'm there. My eyes are on you. You know that you're never forgotten. And what, what a great thing that is. But it says, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, this is a quote from the Old Testament. And so, um, you know, the face of God in the Old Testament uh, is, is really the presence of God himself. I mean, when Moses says to God, let me, God, show me your face. Uh, God says, well, well, you can't see me and live. But I'm going to have my presence pass in front of you. You can see my back. I mean, it's what the translations say. It really means just like the, the afterglow of his presence you'll be allowed to see. And so think about this. Those who do evil, the presence of God is standing against them. Why is that? Is he not good? No, it's because he is good. God is always going to actively oppose anything that's evil. So if you find yourself involved in evil, partnering with evil, championing evil, the presence of God is standing against you. I don't want to be in that place. That's a whole lot worse place than hiding from your parents in your new house. (laughs) That's a really rough place to be. But it is a good place to be that no matter where I am, that as a believer in Jesus, because I am now made righteous in Jesus. Did Did you know that? Are you a righteous person? If you're a follower of Jesus, you can say this, I am righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You're not bragging. You're not boasting in yourself. You're speaking truth. I'm the righteousness of God. And so that means God's eyes are on me and his ears are open to my prayer. So I hope that encourages you. So Peter starts off here. I'm going to do this quickly probably. And he gives us basically eight eight traits of a Jesus community. Now, I say Jesus community because just the word Christian and even the word church sometimes is so overused. And we have a certain... If I say church, you think of this gathering. You think of like two hours a week rather than 24-7. So community, a Jesus community. So uh, this is the marks of a Jesus community. And so this is, this is what 
makes us attractive to the world. Number one, to be like-minded. The word here is like to live in harmony with one another. Man, has the church messed that one up? Have Christians messed this one up like royally? Where we're, There is nothing like being in harmony together is kind of literally what the word means there. You know, when you're, in, when you're singing a song, and you've heard this, this phrase, right? Singing the three-part harmony. Have you ever heard that in music class maybe a long time ago? Like I was doing music class for third graders this week on Thursday. And they're like, what is, um, well, you know, Pastor John just plays by ear, so. <laughs> you know, the treble clef, I remember that thing, and it has squiggly lines. And, um, <clears throat> but in, in, when you, in music, har- when you sing harmony, you're singing something different, but you're all singing something that's in unison. And that's exactly what Peter is saying here. He's not saying, you have to all be alike. You have to think alike. You have to act alike. No, what he's saying is you have to be in harmony. In other words, there is a single melody being sung for the church, and it's the the melody of Jesus Christ. Jesus is singing the song of his redemption and his goodness and his love and his patience and his kindness, and I get to come along and I sing a little bit different note but it lines up perfectly with the song that Jesus is singing. And that's what Peter is saying here. Look, as the people of God, we're supposed to be in harmony. For those of you that don't sing or don't do music, if you sing the wrong note, did you hear any wrong notes today? I sang some of them. Because I wasn't singing in harmony with Felicia. She was singing a melody and I sang a wrong note. And so it is a real note, but it doesn't go along with what she is singing. And guess what? It usually sounds, especially to us that know music, it just goes, it like gives you the shivers. Like, oh, (laughs) that was wrong. (laughs) Something didn't feel right about that. And that's the exact same thing. When we get off on our own thing and we're just trying to say, it's just all about me and God and playing my own note, I can never be in harmony with anybody else unless I am joined in unity and intentionally saying, I'm going to work together. I'm going to choose to be one with the community of Jesus. I'm going to walk with the body of Christ. And you know what? Sometimes that means I'm going to sing a song I don't want to sing, but I get to sing my own harmony. I get to do it my own way. And then someone else is going to lead song and I'm going to join with their song and I'm going to sing a harmony, but my notes are going to all go together and it's going to be beautiful. Man, when, when you got people singing, the, you know, like really good singers that could sing just tight harmonies, the, the lows, the, the mids, you know, the altos and the, and the sopranos and the tenors, and all of them work together, it just sounds, it sounds fantastic. That's exactly what the church is supposed to look like, that our lives are in such harmony that people are like, ooh, that's, that's good. 
I want to be a part of that. It's not that we're good, good singers. It just means that our lives are in harmony with one another and unity with one another. Why? Because that's attractive. That draws people in. So that's the first trait of a Jesus community is the unity and harmony and like-mindedness of being one in Jesus. Number two, be sympathetic. I wrote this down to just summarize. We, we all know what sympathy is, but this is the way that it speaks to me. Actually care what others are going through. That's what sympathy is. It means really just, I care about you. I care about you enough to put what I care about on pause. When you got a whole group of people doing that, guess what? Every need's met. Everybody has somebody caring for them. Everybody has someone thinking about them. If we all decide, I'm going to make sure that I get what I need and I get what I want, I'm going to get my spiritual fix, and it's all about me and what, what God can do in my life, guess what? I'm only looking out for me. And if we're all doing that, guess what? No one's looking out for one another. And so Peter's like, look, you've got to be sympathetic. You've got to have a heart that has, that has care and openness for what someone else is going through. So that's number two. Number three is this. It says, love one another. The word here for love is the word uh, basically from phileo for Philadelphia. If you've ever heard, Philadelphia is actually called the city of brotherly love. That's what it means. Uh, they may not be living that right now. I'm not sure. But uh, the, the origin of their name for the city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love because that's what the word means in Greek is brotherly love. And so this is the love that you have for one another. This is the, ha- this is the love that, um, that believers are meant to have for one another. In other words, there is a love. It's the love that Jesus was talking about that says they'll know you're my followers by the love you have for one another. If we can't love one another, why would the world want to join somebody, a bunch of people who don't love each other? They already have that. The world already has that. We get to love one another. We get to lay down our lives for each other. We get to prefer one another. We get to give, give honor to one another. So number three, it's a community of love. You know, a community of love is so, is so attractive to people. Some people, they've never had love. They've never experienced it. It's just, their, just the, the, the upbringing they had, the, the family situation they came from. It's, it's just been, they've never experienced unconditional love. It's always had a condition on it. If you perform well, if you act right, then I'll love you. But that's not God's love, right? God's love is this. No matter how you perform, I love you. If you hate me, I'm going to love you. If you treat me wrongly, I'm going to love you. If you stab me in the back, I'm going to love you. Whew, that one hurt. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that we just keep letting ourselves get stabbed in the back. You can set boundaries. There's all kinds of wisdom with relationships that we can talk about. But we've got to have the love first. So Peter's saying, look, love one another and be compassionate. 
you know, he uses a different phrase other than sympathy here. You know, compassion uh, to me is one of the greatest unlockers of ministry that you can have. You know, some of us have been during the season, we, last season we were in on Wednesday nights, we would go out in our neighborhoods and knock on doors. And uh, sometimes you just had to force yourself to do it. You, you didn't have compassion. You didn't, you didn't really care. And your focus was all about, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What is that person going to think about me? Uh, I have no room for compassion, right? Because I'm so focused on what I'm doing and how I'm going to perform. Compassion is, is, but when you have compassion for somebody, it's amazing when somebody opens the door and God just gives you a love for them. And you're like, oh, man. I feel, I, I'm sensing something for this person right now that, that God's, God's stirring in my heart. You begin to have compassion for them. If you, have com- if you don't have compassion for someone, you're not going to go very far to reach them. It says when Jesus, when Jesus would come to a crowd, what does it say? He judged them and said, man, you bunch of losers. <laughs> he was like, oh, gosh. Look at all those people. What are they thinking? Was he like, oh, gosh, man, I'm really, I'm really tired right now. <laughs> I just healed that last town, and now this next town is coming to get healed too. <laughs> no, it says Jesus looked out, and he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know what a sheep without a shepherd is? Dead. Because sheep are apparently so unintelligent that they won't move from where they are even though there's food right next to them if they're used to eating in one place unless the shepherd leads them and shows them, go over here and here's more grass. Now chew it. A sheep without a shepherd will walk straight off of a cliff. And so it says Jesus looked out and he had, he had compassion. He's like, he's, he's like, look, these people may be about to walk off a cliff, but they don't know. They need a shepherd to call to them to stand at the cliff and say, no, don't go this way. It's, it's, it's destruction. Stop. It says Jesus had compassion on them. Then he healed their sick. I know I've mentioned this before, but my, uh, I don't even know what to call her. My dad's, my dad's wife, my new mom, Charlie, is so amazing. Since we're not online, she's not watching today. Um, so I can talk about her. <laughs> But I can't tell you the number of times I've been to Costco and she just stops and like sees somebody who's like limping or got something wrong with them or just starts talking to them. And she, without a doubt, will pray for them. And almost every time, they just get healed right, right in that place. And I've watched her. There, there's no performance. There's no, there's no like, I get to check off a box, a religious box to say, oh, I did something for God this week. <laughs> Make you feel, you know, sometimes we do things for God and we feel better about ourselves. 
Oh, I did it. I did something this week. I was a Christian. <laughs> I prayed <laughs> once. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> but compassion means with passion. You know, compassion. It means there's there's a passion. She just loves these people. And a lot of times, if you love people, you'll find that when you pray for them, a lot more is going to happen. That's how Jesus did it. He saw the crowds, he had compassion, and it says, boom, they were all healed. We need to be a community of compassion. And humble. Number five is humility. No know-it-alls allowed. Kind of speaks for itself. You know, there's a lot of know-it-alls right now. There's a lot of know-it-alls. You know why, you know why there's so much division in our country right now? One of the reasons? Because every single person is right. 100% right about what they, their whole view of the world and their view of everything. Where to shop, politics. I mean, don't even bring up the, you know, pandemic. <laughs> Because we all, we all know, I know what this is. You know, we can sometimes use a dose of humility. I'm not saying we say, oh, I don't know if Jesus is, is the right answer or whatever. No, there's, there's truth that we know. There's, there's things that are solid. But I don't want to share truth as a know-it-all. I want to share it with a heart of humility and grace to where I speak the truth in love and my life speaks louder than my words, that my life is the loudest sermon that I preach. A community of humility. Then it says this, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. Number six is this, we're a revenge-free community. Did you know the church is a revenge-free community? The people of Jesus, we are a revenge-free community. When someone does me wrong, I don't pay back evil for evil. Man, what a testimony that is. Where we say, I'm not going to take revenge. I trust Jesus so much that I know he's going to make all things right. If he needs to do something at the end to take care of it, then I'm going to trust it, trust him. And some of us, we've got revenge. We've got to be careful that revenge doesn't take hold of our hearts, right? That we're like, someday, someday they're going to pay. Someday they're going to get what's coming to them. It might even be by me. It's like, that's a harder revenge right there. That's not the heart of Jesus. If Jesus had the heart of revenge, he would have never came to earth. So if, you're, if you find in your heart that you're like, I have to give back, you know, you hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. I mean, that's the way we're born into it, right? That's the way we start out in life, as, even as small children, right? One kid hits, have you ever... You know, you taught preschool, right, Terry? You know, kids hit each other sometimes, right? Even the perfect church kids, right? Nursery and preschool, kids biting each other and doing crazy stuff, right? 
hey, by the way, we're looking for more volunteers. No. <laughs> After that comment, right? But I mean, that's, that's kind of like human nature you're born with. You know, I'm going to get back at you. You, you do me. I'm going to get you back. Especially, you know, and you do it the best way you can. But, but Peter says here, look, guess what? We're not going to pay back evil for evil. So we're going to be revenge free. And then it says, or insult for insult. And the word here has to do with verbal abuse. I mean, have you ever been verbally abused by somebody? That stuff can hurt. I know we, we, we say the old saying, it's really old now, I guess, sticks and stones may break my bones, my words will never hurt me. <laughs> Who came up with that thing? That person should be, well, whatever. I don't want to, I better not take revenge on him, right? <laughs> I mean, that's like one of those, anyways, it's just a, it's just foolishness. It's a silly phrase. You know, some of the things we teach kids to say are silly because they're so untrue. Because verbal abuse hurts. And I'm not saying anybody, you know, if you're in a relationship where you're being verbally abused, I'm not, it doesn't say we have to stay in there, we have to take it. It just says, here, you don't have to give back what you receive. You can choose to not be a verbal fighter. If someone's going to insult you, then you can take the heart of Jesus and turn and bless them. That's what it says right there. I mean, Peter says this, but on the contrary, giving a blessing. Not only, I mean, can you imagine that? It's one thing to say, I'm not going to say anything back. I'm not going to do it. But it's another thing to say, in fact, I'm going to bless you. Think about those people that you work with. (laughs) Or live with. (laughs) And I have to bless them? When they curse me? I mean, didn't Jesus say something about that? Blessed are the persecuted, you know, bless those who curse you. But how do we know? First of all, this. If you know you're blessed by God, then it doesn't matter what curse man puts on you. Don't lift their words to the level of God's words. If God's word is the final word in your life, then what he says matters and what somebody else says that's beneath that is not true. If you curse me, I'm blessed. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament. I'm going to wrap up here. I think it's not being short. This is going to be super long, okay? (laughs) There's a story, it's a really strange story in the Old Testament. It's found in the book of Numbers, 22, uh, 22 through 24. And it's the story of Balaam. And Balaam is a guy who is a, a prophet, 
but he's he's got a lot of issues. We'll just say it that way. <laughs> is that a, that's a nice way to put it, right, Paul? So Balaam is is kind of like he's a he's a prophet for his own good. He's not a, he's not a prophet to do what God wants. And a king comes to hire Balaam to curse the people of God. And so they come with a bunch of money and they come with this entourage. And Balaam says, I can only say what God says. And they come a second time and Balaam, they come with more money. And Balaam says, let me check with God again. <laughs> They've got more money. And so <laughs> Balaam checks with God and God lets him go. But then it says God was angry. Anyway, so Balaam goes, and God doesn't really want him to go because guess what? The people, God's people are blessed, so he can't curse them. And so, of course, Balaam is famous because his donkey tries to stop him three times. And then the third time, Balaam is cussing out the donkey like crazy, it says. He is calling down curses on a donkey and having a conversation with the donkey. And then the donkey, it says God enables the donkey to speak. This is why Balaam is... The only reason we know this story probably is because, whoa, the talking donkey! And the donkey speaks for God. It says, there's an angel with a sword in the path. I'm trying to save your life, you moron. <laughs> Okay, you're not allowed to... He didn't, he didn't say moron, okay? And so then, then it says Balaam's eyes are open and he sees an angel with a flaming sword standing in his path and the donkey saves his life. And then he says, oh God, I, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, my way is, rec- you know, my way is reckless. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll just do what you say. And God says, okay, you, you can go now, but you better only do what I say. And so the king, uh, his name is Balak, hires Balaam and says, look, I want you to stand on this mountain and look out on the people of God, and you're going to speak a curse over them. And three times, every time Balaam op- opens his mouth, he blesses them. Every time Balaam opens his mouth, and so the king is, is pretty ticked off at Balaam and says, look, dude, I've hired you. I'm paying you good money. <laughs> I'm paying you money to curse my enemies. And Balaam says, I can't curse them because they're blessed. That's the people of God. When they curse me, it doesn't matter because I'm blessed. And so I'm going to choose to give from what I've been given rather than give them back what they're giving me. I'm going to bless them even though they're cursing me. Man, people want to be a part of a community like that. Because it means, guess what? That means you can mess up. You can, you know, you can lose your cool and lose control and do something foolish. And we're still going to love you and we're still going to declare blessing over your life. We're not going to hold you to that one place where you messed up and say, this defines who you are. 
No, because that's exactly what's happening when someone's cursing me. I'm thinking like, this is not who you were created to be. You, you're, you're operating out of your, this is not what a human looks like. And instead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless. I'm going to speak a blessing over them. And this might be one of the most challenging ones because, it, oh, it's so hard to bless somebody who's against us. It's so hard to bless somebody who, you know, just declare blessing over them. Go across your political party against, you know, find someone that totally believes totally different from you on all seasons and sections of life. And I challenge you, bless them. Try not arguing. The arguing hasn't seemed to work very well, so maybe we try a different different strategy, right? <laughs> but this strategy right here that Peter's saying is here's what a Jesus community looks like. Harmony and like-mindedness, sympathetic, loving one another, compassionate, full of humility, revenge-free, not a verbal fighter, and speaking blessing. That's an attractive community. And we need help with that, amen? We need the Holy Spirit's help. So I want us to close today by receiving communion together. So if you have communion, uh, if, you have, if you're sitting down, there should be communion in the chair in front of you, the whatever that thing's called, the bottom there. <laughs> I'm a little tired today, I'm sorry. Too much moving. The only way that I can live up to what we just, we just read in this scripture is because of what Jesus did. If Jesus' body wasn't broken, then there's no way I could have the strength and wholeness in my life to bless someone when they curse me. Because it's not natural. It's supernatural. And so when Jesus took this and said, this is my body that's broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. I'm reminded that Jesus loves me. I'm reminded that Jesus paid it all. And I owe him everything and my life belongs to him. He gets to define me. He gets to define my he gets to define what my past looks like. He gets to define what my present is. And he gets to define where I'm going in my future. And it's through the broken body of Jesus that we are made whole. And so right now, if you have that, just lift it up before Jesus. Lord, right now, we cannot live up to this scripture without the power of the wholeness of Jesus in our lives. And so we choose to receive that today. We have joined our hearts in covenant with you, O God, that you have made a covenant with us through Jesus Christ, the new covenant it's the new covenant, Lord, where we are now uh, more than conquerors through him who loves us, Lord, that we are the ones that you have purchased by your blood. You, we are the ones that you have set free, that you, you, we are the ones that you have healed and made whole by the brokenness of your body. And so we choose to receive that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. After that, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You know, every day we need mercy. Every day we need mercy. And the blood of Jesus is a reminder that his mercy is covering my life. And so right now, Jesus, we receive fresh mercy into our whole being, body, soul, and spirit. Lord, I just pray for those that need their minds cleansed right now. Lord, that they've had thoughts swirling in their minds throughout this week, uh, some of them harmful. Lord, anybody who has had thoughts of harming themselves in any way, Lord, right now, as we are receiving this as a representative of the blood of Jesus, we ask for those minds to be cleansed. Those minds that have been so negative, God, that we have torn ourselves down and beat ourselves up over the way, over something in the past, God, we just declare right now that those thoughts will bow to Jesus Christ and the truth will begin to rise up within our spirits. Lord, let us begin to hear truth in our heads. And we thank you that the blood of Jesus is enough to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to purify us. So anything in us, God, that we feel is not worthy, Jesus, you've declared us worthy by your own blood. And so we receive that freedom into ourselves right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take it. I'd like to invite our leaders up. I'm gonna, we're going to pray a closing prayer. But if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you're like, what is, all this, what is all this stuff you're doing? Why are you worshiping? Why are you singing songs? Who is Jesus? Or maybe you do know who he is and you're like, I'm ready to give him my life. I, I want to be uh, a child of God. I want to know that I have been forgiven of my sin, that my future is secure, that my present has been transformed, that I'm a new person. Then come and pray with one of these people. If you need healing in your body, we encourage you before you go to come up here and receive prayer. If you have any need, you're welcome to come pray. So I'm going to pray a prayer of closing. If you want prayer, you can come forward. And if you need to go and fellowship, then you go and fellowship and be blessed. So, Father, we just thank you for today. All of the different things that you released. Lord, you released hope. Lord, you challenged our hearts with the word. You cut things away, Lord. You, you cut through things that are not true in our minds. Lord, you've refreshed us in your presence, and so we thank you. We worship you, Jesus, and we give you honor. Lord, let us live a life that Peter spelled out in this scripture. Give us compassion. Give us compassion for people, Lord. Let us walk in humility. Let us love one another as you have loved us. Let us speak blessing over those, even if they curse us. And we're going to live a life that honors Jesus and declares the good news of Jesus to every soul on this planet. And we honor you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up.
let one of these leaders pray for you before we go. Be blessed, and we'll be back here on Tuesday night.